And they were very blessed to have um, Chris preaching for us today. Um, but before I invite him up, I'll just read out the scripture reading from Acts chapter 5, verse 12 to 16. So if you have your phone Bibles, your physical Bibles, I invite you to read along with me. The Apostles Heal Many The Apostles performed many miraculous signs and wonders among the people. And all the believers used to meet together in Solomon's colonnade. And no one else dared to join them, even though they were highly regarded by the people. Nevertheless, more and more men and women believed in the Lord and were added to their number. As a result, people brought the sick into the streets and laid them on beds and mats so that at least Peter's shadow might fall on some of them as he, as he passed by. Crowds, also ga- crowds gathered also from the towns around Jerusalem, bringing their sick and those tormented by evil spirits, and all of them were healed. This is the word of God. Pass the time to Chris. Good morning. Everyone well? Yes. Excited for daylight savings? <laughs> you know, there's a bunch of size, but we get extra sunshine after work or after school. Um, so praise God for that. There's always a bright side to everything, even though everyone needs an extra coffee this morning. <laughs> um, let's just pray before we get into the Word. Um, Heavenly Father, uh, we pray that your word speaks to us today. Uh, We pray that uh, your spirit and your love shines through in this uh, passage today, Lord. We pray that um, you use uh, me as your instrument to shine lights on um, the early church that's described here in Acts, Lord. Uh, We just pray for those watching from home, we pray for those here, we pray for healing for those who are sick, we pray for um, comfort for those that are anxious or stressed, Lord. Uh, We know that you love us, we know that you sent your son to die for us so that we can be with you in eternity, Lord. And we pray that as we start the new term, we just remember that you are always there for us, Lord. In the name of Jesus, amen. Sorry, one sec as I get organized. Clicker, does that work? Okay. No, I might need your help. Thanks. Um, so this morning, that's my family, we'll get there soon. <laughs> this morning, we're diving back into the book of Acts. Um, Now, we haven't made it far, we're on chapter (laughs) 5, but we're getting there, um, and with God's help, um, He'll speak to us through this verse. So, just just quickly, we started Acts at the start of the year, and we thought it was appropriate because it speaks about how Christ 
as he left, he promised a helper for the early church. Christ promised that he would send the Holy Spirit to dwell in amongst the disciples and the apostles and that that Spirit will empower them to do his works. You guys remember that? Sounds familiar? Yes, I'm getting some nods. So that's what we're going to look at today. Um, So if you guys don't know me, this is my family. That's Mourner. Uh, my two kids and my dog, Miller. Um, Miller is the oldest child. <laughs> so, Miller is turning five. Um, I googled this. She's, that's 36. It's not 35. It's not exactly time seven. It's 36 in dog, in human years. So, five in dog years is 36 in human years. So, he, she's older than me. Um around that too. <laughs> um, and Clara and Ryan and uh, awesome wife Morna, they're watching from home today. It's just a bit of a handful having kids running around wanting uh, me to carry them. Um, so we, as you can tell, we're a young family and the kids, they, the kids, Emerald will know soon enough, the kids know how to push the parents' buttons, right? They know exactly what to do to get you frustrated. So uh, we're always, you know, handballing things. Like I'm telling Mona, okay, give me 20 minutes, or she's telling me, give me 20 minutes to just, just relax and have a bit of time out. So we're still learning how to um, parent. We're still learning how to, to teach and mould children. Um, and why I'm bringing that up is I think that's comparable to the first church. Um, they were young leaders finding their way without Christ leading them. So we have the apostles standing up, taking on more responsibility, and they rely on the Holy Spirit um, yeah, to guide them. Just like, I guess, for a young family, you would rely on your parents to give you some advice. Um, I think this passage is good for us today because as I think we're a bit of a young church, if you look around, average age is possibly mid-20s. Our leadership, I'd say the median age is probably 30, maybe. Yeah, well, yeah. <laughs> no, you're young at heart, Uncle Eden. <laughs> so um, I think this passage is beneficial for us here at CACV because we can learn how the early church relied on the Holy Spirit. And as a young church, maybe that's a message for us to rely on Him too, particularly as we are in search for a pastor right now. So can we click one more slide, please? So just diving right into the scripture. Oh, right. No, before that, (laughs) I did this last night. So (laughs) this is the outline. Um, I've got four points for us to talk about today. So the title of the sermon is A Spirit-Filled Church, which is what the early church had. And four points. Uh, One, they stamp out sin. And number two, they have boundless faith. Uh, Number three, the early church 
with the Spirit. They pray and loved for each other. And the early church is everyday people empowered. I'll just give this another go. Do I have to turn it on? Oh. No? No, not quite. Sorry, next slide, please. Okay, diving straight in. So, Acts 5.12. The apostles performed many signs and wonders among the people, and all the believers used to meet in Solomon's colonnade. So, Solomon's colonnade. Colonnade, in some translations, is portico. You want to have a guess? It sounds a bit like porch, maybe. Maybe to some. It's a covered walkway on the side of the temple, and it's a very large area. Um, the early church at this stage, we're talking about maybe 10,000 members. So it's a very large area that's opened up into the center of the temple. Uh, next slide, please. So signs and wonders. So the Holy Spirit used the apostles as instruments. Thanks, Luke to perform signs and wonders amongst the people. So have you seen signs today that point to God? Maybe something like this. This is in Caulfield, I believe. Uh, next slide, please. So a sign is, by translation, it is something that points, serves as a pointer. Thank you. Pointer to something so the apostles were used to perform signs and wonders to point to Christ. So what kind of wonders and signs did the apostles do through the empowerment of the Holy Spirit? We might just read Acts 3. Uh, this is a doubting Peter. Um, is it doubting Peter? Then Peter said, silver or gold I do not have. But what I do have, I give to you. In the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth, walk. And this is Peter taking up the hand of a lame man. Taking him by the right hand, he helped him up, and instantly the man's feet and ankles became strong, and he jumped to his feet and began to walk. So the, we don't know exactly what signs and wonders the apostles did, but it was possibly more of this, more healing and casting out of evil spirits. Yeah, so if you can imagine the early church, the apostles, they had so much power that they were able to heal. Wouldn't that be nice today, to be able to rely on the Holy Spirit to have that kind of power? Ah, it works, cool. Okay, Acts 5, we're just moving on. No one else dared join them, even though they were highly regarded by the people. Nonetheless, more and more joined the church. So at first, this might seem a bit contradictory. Um, looking at the Greek, a few commentators state that no one else dared join them. No one else is the unbelievers. So the unbelievers, they saw this 10,000 group of uh, 
Christ followers, and there was a bit of a fear in them. They didn't dare join them. Now, why is that? Now, if we remember just before this, there was the, um, the scripture that talked about Ananias and Sapphira. Um, they were churchgoers, and um, I believe we looked at this a few weeks back, but it might be good to have a refresher. They were churchgoers, and they saw someone else sell their plot of land, and they were highly regarded by the church. So they thought, okay, let's do that too. But then a bit of sin creeped in, and they thought, okay, I'm going to hold some of that money back. And then Peter said to them, why have you lied to the Holy Spirit? And both Ananias and his wife died immediately. That was the punishment. And then in verse 5 it says, When Ananias heard this, he fell down and died. And great fear seized all who heard. And in verse 11, after his wife came and also died, it said, Great fear seized the whole church and all who heard about these events. So, there was great fear amongst everyone because of God's righteousness and God's judgment. And as a result, no one dared join them. I will go back one. A Bible commenter, Vance Havner, said, none of the rest dared to associate with them. People didn't join this church carelessly. They were afraid to. There was a holy awe that kept everyone at a distance. People didn't rush into fellowship just because it was a nice thing to do. It meant something to unite this crowd. There was a holy repulsion. And this commentator knows nothing more than what the church needs today. So if the early church, they stamped out sin dealt with the sin of Ananias and Sapphira and there was fear amongst the people that they didn't dare join them. I think this is something that our church or the church needs a bit more of today. Um, stamping out sin is, as shown in the early church, quite important to deal with. And in doing so, it creates um, serious, committed Christians, and there was no pretend Christians. So just this last week, I changed my car over. I um, traded my car in because it was giving me a bit of trouble. And you know the old saying, don't trust a used car salesman. In this case, don't trust the person trying to trade in the car to the used car salesman. I don't know why I did this, but so my car has had some problems. It broke down and I had to get it fixed. And then when the guy asked me, you know, have you had problems? I said, what do you mean, what problems? <laughs> and it was, I don't know why, it just, I was just compelled to say something untruthful. 
and then I felt immediate shame after that and particularly as I was speaking this week um, I think that we're all I think what I learned out of that is I'm still dealing with my own sins and it is a bit of a process um, so particularly here at church here at CACV maybe there are some sins that we maybe need to make a bit more public and so each of us knows how to live in order to live um, to be more holy like Christ so maybe that's lying like I struggled with this week maybe that's stealing maybe it's watching videos that you shouldn't be watching uh, maybe it's not quite obeying your parents, for example. Um, I think here at CSV, sometimes we focus, you know, on the task ahead, like, you know, playing the right music, doing really well in, um, you know, ushering and PA, but we don't focus that much on sins. If we look at this, prim- at this first church, stamping out sin was quite important. They needed to keep the church pure, and that's how they dealt with Ananias and Sapphira. And maybe that today that should be more of our primary objective. Teach brothers and sisters to love God and to address sin. And maybe everything else is a little secondary like playing uh, the right chords and singing, singing the right you know, notes when we worship. So stamping out sin was quite important. Now moving on. A spirit-filled church has boundless faith. Um, just reading 15. As a result, people brought the sick into the streets and laid them on beds and mats so that at least Peter's shadow might fall on some of them as they pass by. Uh, The picture here is, it's a walkway in Jerusalem. I believe, I'm not sure if this is where they laid the sick on mats so that Peter's shadow can cast over them, but it was possibly something similar. Now, if you can imagine the sick, if they needed to be placed on mats and on beds, these people were very sick. They were not able to stand. They were not able to sit on their own. And then it says that at least Peter's shadow would fall on them and heal them. There was such faith back in this early time that they believed maybe Peter's shadow could heal them. Um, It it reminds us a little bit of uh, this scripture in Mark, which says, just this is the woman who reached out, touched Jesus' cloak and was healed. In Mark it says, because she thought, if I just reached his clothes, I would be immediately healed. And immediately her bleeding stopped and she felt in her body that she was freed from suffering. Maybe they thought that's what would happen to them. 
if they just reached out and touched Peter's or have Peter's shadow cast over them. So I think what we need to make clear is there is nothing special about Peter's shadow here. It was more a way, it was an instrument for others to release their faith, really. There was nothing special about the disciples and them walking on over the sick, but it was the faith that they had. Just like this woman back in Mark, she had the faith that healed her. A commentator says that it was an extraordinary time in the church when God's power was dramatically and openly felt. Paul's letters confirm this, as he writes in 1 Corinthians as well. Um, The popular uh, preacher, John MacArthur, says, The streets of Jerusalem were an incredible sight. Everywhere there were beds occupied by rich and poor alike, all waiting for the apostles to move through town. The inhabitants of Jerusalem actually believed that Peter's shadow could heal. Some ancient uh, peoples believed that a man's shadow carried his influence, so parents would place their children into the shadows of great men and snatch them away from the shadow of someone they disliked. The text doesn't say that Peter's shadow healed anyone, only that, Peter's, only that the people believed so. The actions displayed a tremendous respect for Peter, and John says great miracles indeed occurred. What I want to talk about today is our reaction to this passage. Some people might read this and say, I don't think any of them were healed. The people lying on each side of the street waiting for Peter's shadow to cast over them. But then others would say, I'm following the creator of the universe who's all-powerful, all-knowing, I have faith that maybe they were healed. Maybe some of these people were healed by Peter Shadow. Do you have that faith in God? Do you have a boundless faith? Or have we placed God in some kind of box that we've built based on our experience? And by building this box, we're limiting who we believe he is and how far his power extends. A nine-year-old Joey, he was asked by his mother what he had learnt at Sunday school. Joey said, well, mum, our teacher told us how God sent Moses behind enemy lines on a rescue mission to lead the Israelites out of Egypt. When he got to the Red Sea, he had his engineers build a platoon bridge and all the people walked across safely. They used walkie-talkies to radio headquarters and call in an airstrike. They sent in bombers to blow up the bridge and the Israelites were saved. And the mum says, now, Joey, is that really what your teacher taught you? He says, no, well, no, mum, but if I told you the way the teacher did, you'd never believe it. (laughs) 
Maybe like Joey, sometimes we confine God and his power based on our experience. And we think there are things that God cannot do. But the Bible says otherwise. I think I have this struggle a little bit, um, particularly in this time. Um, as you all know, we're looking for a, a senior full-time pastor, and we have had some applicants. Um, praise God for that. Just no one that uh, just ticks all the boxes, if you would put it that way. And my faith in God's plan for us uh, has been shaken in the past, and I think in times where our faith is shaken, we get a bit impatient, and then we start taking things into our own hands. Um, and so I became think I got thinking, well, maybe we'll just take that guy. He's not perfect, but he'll do. He'll meet the needs, our needs. But I think what I've learnt is God has his own timing and if we have faith in him, he will provide. So what box have you placed God in today? Do you need more unboundless faith like those who needed healing back then? Crowds gathered also from the towns around Jerusalem, bringing their sick and those tormented by evil spirits, and all of them were healed. So it was a special time for the church, where the disciples had the special ability to heal. They were empowered by the Holy Spirit. It was God's way to tell the Israelites that they were with him because of his power as well. So this doesn't happen today, right? Um, maybe it can. I guess if you, f- you have enough faith, it can happen today that all were healed. But this was a special time where the apostles performed signs and wonders and everyone who approached the church were healed. That's what the Bible says. Um, I struggled a little bit with this. Like, does God heal today? Maybe some of us are a little sore. Maybe some of us are dealing with sickness. Maybe we have a close loved one in our family that needs healing. I've just got a series of scriptures here. So if if you're wondering, I don't know if God heals today. Just listen to this or read this. Jeremiah says, heal me, O Lord, and I shall be healed. Save me and I shall be saved, for you are my praise. James, is anyone among you sick? Let him call for the elders of the church and let them pray over him, anointing him with oil in the name of the Lord. And the prayer of faith will save the one who is sick. The Lord will raise him up. Revelations, he will wipe away every tear from their eyes and death shall be no more. Neither shall there be mourning, crying, nor pain anymore. Exodus, You shall serve the Lord your God, and he will bless your bread and your water, and I will take away sickness from among you. Jeremiah, behold, I will bring bring to it health and healing, and I will heal them 
and revealed to them the abundance of prosperity and security. Psalm, he heals the brokenhearted and binds up their wounds. The Lord sustains him on his sickbed. In his illness, you will restore him to full health. Jesus went through the towns and villages, teaching in the synagogues, proclaiming the good news and healing every sickness. And Matthew, finally. And he called the twelve and gave them authority over unclean spirits to cast them out and to heal every sickness. It's clear from the scriptures that God wants to heal and God is able to heal. Let's not put him into that box. If we're, if we're dealing with some illness or sickness, let's pray for God's healing because he wants all of us to be whole again. He wants all of us to be healed. A spirit-filled church prays and loves. Prays and loves. Uh, that's my third point. Now, I know that when God doesn't heal, it's because that's his plan. That's what the Bible says. And that's what, that's what the commentators say. And that's hard, to heal. that's hard to hear for someone who is suffering. That is very hard to hear for those who are suffering. I think as the church today, our role, like this sentence says, it says that it is God's job to heal the sick and it's our job to love them. The healing comes from God. We are his instruments and we are to love those who are sick. That's why I encourage each of us to continue praying for those who need healing. Particularly love those who need that extra care. Uh, a spirit-filled church, this is my final point, is everyday people empowered. I know the image is a little bit distracting. This is, do you guys know who this is? Yes, who is it, Uncle Eden? It's Steph Curry. Yeah, yeah. He um, is my favorite basketball player. <laughs> he has unlimited range. Guarding him is very difficult. In a way, he's changed the game of basketball in the NBA because of how ridiculous the like the shots that he can hit. They just sometimes, you know, you don't think they're possible, but he can do it. In a way, Steph is although he's a superstar, although he is on the world stage, he is an ordinary person just with an amazing gift that God's given him. And after every shot that Steph makes, he does the sign. He hits his chest and then points to the sky. And Steph says this about that. I do a little sign on the court every time I make a shot or a good pass, and I pound my chest and point to the sky. 
it symbolizes that I have a heart for God. It's something that him and his mom came up with when he was in college, and every time he steps on the court, he does it as a reminder of who he's playing for. I think we can use Steph as an example for all of us. God's church is everyday people empowered. So Andrew, Peter, James and John, the apostles, do we all know what they worked as? They were fishermen, yes, and Jesus called them. I'm going to test you guys. Matthew is a tax collector, yep. So he worked for the government. Luke was a doctor, yes. And Simon the Zealot. So this one's a hard one. What's a zealot? Not strictly a profession, but no. He engaged in politics and anarchy to overthrow the Roman government. He was a bit of a rebel. (laughs) Jesus called these people to be his leaders. Jesus and the Holy Spirit is calling a lot of us to be his leaders today at CACV. None of them, none of the apostles before they met Jesus had proper training, or so that we know. Or they had, they didn't have the academic qualifications to be a church leader. Now I'm not trying to put them down, but I'm trying to make them relatable to us. Even Peter, who was famous for denying Christ three times, he did such amazing things that people laid the sick on the streets so that they could be healed by his shadow. So we are a group here at CACV. We are a group of everyday people just like those, those people. We may not be fishermen, but we work everyday jobs and we have so much going on in our lives. Today there are some of us who are tired, possibly overwhelmed, and we need rest because we've lost an hour's sleep. But maybe we're just very anxious <laughs> otherwise but with the power of the Holy Spirit just like the Apostles maybe we can perform signs and wonders too I think I want to use this as an encouragement to each of us that Even though we're searching for a pastor, we're waiting for someone to shepherd us and to mentor us, that we shouldn't be putting things on pause. We have all that we need to continue his work and continue his mission for us on this earth. Let's rely on the Holy Spirit to dwell amongst us and to empower us. Let's pray.
dear Lord, we pray for your spirit to be amongst us, Lord. Uh, we pray for... Yeah, we just pray for direction. We just pray for the indwelling of the Holy Spirit, Lord, uh, that it empowers us to do your work. Uh, we pray that you convict us of our sins by the Spirit. Uh, we pray that you give us direction as a church. Um, we also pray for provision for a shepherd, Lord, for our people. But in the meantime, we pray that your work is still be done on this earth as it is in heaven. Um, in the name of Jesus, amen.